Welcome to a special edition of Civic, where we're bringing you audio from the latest press conference city officials have held about San Francisco's response to the coronavirus pandemic. We're bringing you the full audio of these announcements, with only pauses and silence removed in the interest of time. This announcement was made on Friday, March 27th. You're listening to KSFP LP 102.5 FM, San Francisco. All right. Uh, good morning. Are we still in the morning? Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you all for joining us here today. I'm San Francisco Mayor London Breed. I'm joined by member of the Board of Supervisors, Supervisor Aaron Peskin, as well as the Director of the Department of Public Health, Dr. Grant Colfax, the Department of Emergency Management Director, Mary Ellen Carroll, our Police Chief, Bill Scott, uh, and our Fire Chief, Janine Nicholson, as well as other officials. And we are definitely practicing social distancing by having uh, at least six feet apart from one another here in this location, uh, but also this virtual press conference uh, is an opportunity uh, to demonstrate uh, the kind of behavior that we want to see happening all over the city. We want to thank members of the press for their uh, patience and for accommodating uh, the change in order to help protect and keep them safe as well. And we also want to thank members of the public uh, because we know, uh, for the most part, so many San Franciscans have really stepped up and really uh, focused on social distancing uh, and also helping to support and educate uh, neighbors and other people as to what's most appropriate to do during this time. I know that we oftentimes uh, refer to social distancing as saving lives. And I want to be clear that it will save lives. Um, if we continue uh, to practice uh, social distancing every single day as we are um, at during this stay-at-home order, we will get to a better place. Uh, but as Dr. Grant Colfax has said, um, we are at a really uh, challenging time. We are seeing the numbers continue to increase as we do more testing. Uh, and we also know, uh, as we said in the last press conference we held, uh, that we will need more beds, we will need more ventilators, we will need more support. So what you are doing by uh, socially distancing and staying at home and only going out for essential services, uh, what you are doing is you are helping reduce the number of people who are infected. So I want to thank you all so much uh, for everything that you've done uh, to help us get this far. And I know it hasn't been easy. Uh, we still have uh, a lot more time ahead of us than we do right now behind us. Uh, your patience uh, during this very challenging time is definitely appreciated. Um, I want to start by providing um, an update on uh, some real positive um, information that we just received, uh, because sadly we know that testing is very limited. Uh, in San Francisco, the Department of Public Health, they've been able to administer um, now 150 tests each day. Uh, that does not include the private hospitals, and this is information that we anticipate that we will receive sooner rather than later. We expect to increase that number significantly, and Dr. Colfax will provide an update on where we are with testing and how we expect to 
extend our testing efforts uh, more significantly than we have in the past. Um, but the good news on that front is now, uh, thanks to Kaiser and Blue Shields, uh, we will be able to provide testing uh, for the healthcare workers who are on the front line and working with patients uh, who have been uh, infected, as well as many of our public safety officials, our firefighters and police officers, and those who are on the front line, we will prioritize them for testing. We know that so many of them are very concerned that they are doing this work in the community. They are trying their best to help save lives and serve the public, uh, but they are living in fear as to whether or not they um, have the virus and are, they're concerned with going home and spreading that virus to other family members. We know that's a big concern, so getting the ease of knowing uh, whether or not they have the virus or not is critical to protecting public health and safety. And so we will be prioritizing uh, public health and public safety officials uh, for testing. Uh, and Dr. Colfax will talk a little bit more about that as well. And I want to just uh, also um, mention to the public that although we want uh, to be tested, I know everyone wants to be tested to know uh, and think that that could put an end to what we are experiencing. And I wanna be clear uh, that in light of having sufficient testing uh, for all San Franciscans, uh, social distancing is the key. And, and I know I keep mentioning it, but I can't mention it enough because uh, regardless of how many tests or who we're able to test, that at the end of the day is going to make the most impact. So please continue to practice social distancing. Uh, I wanna talk about since today's Friday and the weekend is approaching and uh, we know what happened last weekend. Uh, what happened last weekend, uh, you did see people who were out, of course, enjoying the fresh air, walking their dogs, uh, walking with their families and, and, and kids, and uh, practicing social distancing. But sadly, we saw a number of areas in our city that were just jam-packed. Uh, and we also uh, saw people who were playing things like volleyball and basketball and other sports together that are not uh, things that, are, uh, that we are able to do at this time as a result of the order. And so just to make it clear, uh, we are going to have to make some changes. The last thing I want to do, as I said on Monday, is to basically close parks. Uh, and so we need to shift our behavior and make adjustments so that people are not doing the kinds of things that are going to lead to the spread. Um, as we go into this weekend, I just want to uh, appreciate the fact that uh, we've been able to uh, close places like Alcatraz, Fort Point, and Lands uh, Inn Lookout. Um, and the federal government has already announced parking closures uh, in the city, including Baker Beach and Ocean Beach on Sloth. So if you are trying to go to Baker Beach or Ocean Beach, uh, or Chrissy Field, um, the parking will not be available. Uh, and we will be monitoring the neighborhood to make sure that there isn't an influx of vehicles uh, that are impacting the parking in those particular neighborhoods. We don't want people to get in their cars and drive to Ocean Beach. What we want people to do is stay at home, and when they need to go out and get some air, 
walk outside, go and, and to a park within the proximity of your neighborhood. Please don't get in your cars and drive to Ocean Beach or Chrissy Fields or other places like that. So we're going to be closing parking lots in Chrissy Field, Fort Funston, um, and the lots in the marina in Ocean Beach, as we said, and specifically near Beach Chalet. Uh, so we hope that by closing this area off to cars, uh, that people will start to get the message of um, why we uh, are pushing folks to really try and stay, uh, get your fresh air, walk your dogs, uh, but don't get in your cars and drive to specific locations uh, to play volleyball with your friends, to have picnics, to have wine parties. Um, Zoom is a great tool to have wine parties and other connections with one another, with friends and, and family members. I've just discovered that as a very great tool for socializing. Um, but the last thing we want to do, as I said, is to start to close the last bit of fresh air that we're able to get during this, this very difficult time. And so parks we know are essential. Uh, and I know other places have chosen to just close parks and, and other places down. Um, we don't want to get to that place, but if we see more people playing in basketball courts, if we see more people playing volleyball with one another and baseball and, and some of the sports that are, are more team-related, uh, we will have no other uh, choice. Uh, so it's, it's still okay to go out and walk. It's still okay to go out and ride your bike and run. And I just want to give a message to the runners um, because I had an experience when I was out walking yesterday. I was walking in a narrow area and the runner still decided to run very close next to me. Uh, it would have taken like three seconds for the runner to wait until I crossed the bridge area to get by so that we could maintain that six feet. So I'm asking people to be considerate of one another. I'm not asking you to go out in the street and risk getting hit by a car. I'm asking you to just maybe wait a minute or two to allow people to pass within a safe distance. Uh, again, we all can play a role in making sure that uh, social distancing is practiced by everyone. And the fact is, uh, we're in this for the long haul, so there's no need for any of us to be in a hurry. Um, I want to also uh, talk a little bit about what's happening uh, with our homeless population. Uh, because we know that uh, there are so many people who are very concerned about what this could mean, not just for the people who sadly are sleeping outdoors, uh, but what does this mean for people who are in congregate living settings like uh, Laguna Honda, our single room occupancy hotels, and all of these other places. Uh, and so we have been working on a number of things, and I, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, what we have done and what we will continue to do uh, and, and hopefully give people an update on, um, you know, where we actually need to get to as well. Um, starting next week, Moscone West uh, will open up, and supplies are, are being delivered this weekend. Uh, people are being coordinated. We're going to use Moscone West as a place to thin out our shelters uh, so that we can uh, start to have places so that people who are, again, living in congregant settings like our shelters um, can be spread out a lot more. So Moscone West is going to play an important role um, for that. Uh, and we'll have some more information about that uh, later on. 
and I also want to uh, talk a little bit about the hotel rooms. As was mentioned earlier this week, uh, we, we put out an RFP for hotel rooms uh, that can be used uh, for people who are in congregate living settings, uh, people who are homeless as well as uh, some of our first responders and our healthcare workers and those who may not want to go home because of their concerns around impacting their families. Uh, and we have been able to, uh, because you know there's, even with this declaration of an emergency, there's still a process, there's still insurance that needs to be worked out, there's still staffing needs and security needs and support and resources. And so, so far we've been able to, uh, this week, secure uh, at least 300 hotel rooms uh, for self-isolating or for quarantine uh, for either folks in our uh, SROs or people who are homeless. And we estimate that by next week, we'll be able to secure at least another 3,000. Uh, so bringing on, as we said, some much needed hotel rooms. Uh, and we will keep working towards, uh, you know, making sure that those people who are in congregate settings and, and other places uh, have a space uh, to themselves so that we uh, can reduce the transmission of the virus. And so that's the update that we have so far. Um, I want to take this opportunity um, to especially thank the people who are here uh, at Moscone uh, South, the people who are here working every single day in the emergency operations center uh, and doing the hard work, uh, coordinating the hospitals and the PPE and testing uh, the stuff that we're doing, just the, the, the small things like even making sure uh, that the shelters are still getting food, that we are getting food to seniors and other people, that we are uh, talking and, and reaching out to those businesses who still have, have remained open or, or have some real challenges financially and need help. Uh, so many people here at the Emergency Operations Center have stepped up uh, to uh, do their part in providing information and resources uh, to the public. And we really also want to express our appreciation because uh, we have gotten a lot of great ideas from members of the public through social media. Uh, people have made a lot of great recommendations, and we take those recommendations to heart uh, because we are all in this together, and no one uh, is, is in charge or, or responsible for all the great ideas. It's going to take a team effort. It's going to take all of us working together, uh, looking out for one another. And I want to also just really express pre appreciation to so many people in the city, because I noticed that on places like next door and in some of these chat rooms where uh, neighbors are communicating with one another, um, I noticed that so many neighbors are looking out for their neighbors who are seniors and people who can't necessarily get out to get their groceries or their medications. And so there have been so many great neighbors running errands for uh, so many people who can't get out. And it's just, you know, it's a challenging time for all of us, but it is definitely bringing out the best in us. And so I just want to express my appreciation for so many people who are not only doing their part to stay at home and only go out for uh, essential needs, but also what you've done to help touch the lives of other people who can't uh, take care of themselves in the same way. Uh, so that's where we are. That's our update. Uh, lots more work to do, uh, but... Uh, as I keep saying over and over, uh, we are, yes, in the midst of this, so it, it may feel like um, 
this is very challenging uh, for all of us and how much longer can we take it? Well, the fact is we're gonna have to take it a, a little bit longer uh, because it does mean that we save lives. Uh, and so again, we appreciate your patience and your cooperation. We'll continue to do everything we can to provide uh, updates as we receive them with the most accurate information uh, so that the public knows what to expect. Um, because as I said before, uh, what, the last thing we want to do, uh, if someone is facing a medical emergency, the last thing we wanna do is turn them away because we don't have enough beds. Uh, so let's keep that in mind as we go into the weekend, and let's try to remember that and do our very best to get through this. Um, I'm cheering for all of you. I'm cheering for our city. I'm cheering for our country. Uh, so thank you all so much for your cooperation. And so at this time, I'd like to introduce uh, Grant Koufax, the Department of Public Health Director, uh, to provide us with an update on the latest numbers, the testing, uh, and other information that I just touched on uh, briefly. Dr. Koufax. Thank you, Mayor. Good morning. I am Dr. Grant Koufax, Director of Health. Today, I am bringing several important updates. I will talk about the situation at Laguna Honda Hospital, protecting healthcare workers, and significant new expansions of testing. But first, let me remind everyone we need San Franciscans to stay at home to save lives. I also understand that some of us are essential workers and cannot stay home right now. However, if I could stay at home right now, I would be staying home for our first responders and healthcare workers on the front lines. As we continue to respond to this rapidly evolving outbreak, we are always thinking about what's ahead and what's about to come next. In February, we had zero cases of coronavirus, and yet we realized that we were in an emergency situation and immediately strengthened our planning and preparedness capabilities. The day after our first two confirmed cases in early March, we made aggressive social distancing recommendations. We have continued to tighten that up as we move forward with the entire Bay Area on shelter-in-place orders for all residents. And that was just last week. We have issued 13, an unprecedented 13 health orders in the last three weeks. Each one was designed to protect the most vulnerable populations and healthcare workers and take pressures off hospitals so that they can handle an expected surge of new patients. Each one was designed to keep the community safe and slow down the spread of the coronavirus. Each one was grounded in data, science, and facts. As we continue to plan, predict, and respond, sometimes we are ahead, sometimes we are right on time, and sometimes we may be a beat behind. But so far, we have been preparing for just what is happening now. And we will continue to use data, science, and facts to be as proactive as possible to protect our community and reduce the harm that the coronavirus causes. I want to turn to the hospitals, particularly Laguna Honda Hospital. Yesterday, 
there is quite a bit of news in our own public health care system. Coronavirus has arrived at Laguna Honda. Unfortunately, this was not a surprise. The pattern of the disease clearly shows that long-term care facilities and their residents are particularly vulnerable to the disease and the spread. From the start, we have taken many steps to protect the patients and staff at Laguna Honda, and we will continue to do so. Earlier this week, the entire campus was quarantined to protect residents and staff and reduce harm. However, I must say, and I am sad to say this, that we do expect an outbreak. Our plan for the outbreak includes testing affected staff and residents, which is already underway. We have begun bringing in additional resources, including staff and expertise on long-term care, infection control, and infectious disease from our own DPH system, but also reaching out to key partners, including UCSF and Sutter Health to strengthen our response. This strengthening will continue over the next few days and weeks. With things moving so quickly, I want to make sure you get the facts straight from the source. I can confirm that as of yesterday, there are six staff members and one patient at Laguna Honda who have tested positive for coronavirus. All of them are in good condition. Contact investigations are underway, including testing, and those units have been quarantined. Yesterday also brought news of a confirmed case of a staff member at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. This person provides patient care in the emergency department and is now self-isolating at home. We are conducting a thorough contact investigation. It is concerning to hear about these cases. It will continue to be concerning as the cases in San Francisco grow. We now have almost 300 confirmed cases in San Francisco, and each person is someone with family, friends, and community who care very much about them. The health department cares very much about them. With regard to testing, as the mayor and I have said over and over again, expect to see an increase in positive cases. And with regard to the increased infections, do not be surprised because we've been increasing our testing capacity throughout the city. Simply put, the more testing we can do, the more cases we will find. We've also taken steps to make sure we are getting the data we need to be successful as possible in our fight against the virus. On March 24th, Bay Area Health Officers issued a joint health order requiring all labs, commercial or academic, to report all test results to the state and local health authority. This will help us be more precise and know across San Francisco, across our community, how many tests are being done and what is the positive positivity rate. We simply need to know where we are to better understand where we may be going. This increase in data will be used to refine our models and our strategies to mitigate the virus spread. 
And we are working with the foremost experts from UCSF and UC Berkeley to enhance our modeling capabilities. We truly have some of the world's greatest experts on virology and disease epidemiology, both nationally and internationally, working with us every day. As availability of commercial and academic labs have grown, we have also been looking internally at ways we can boost our own public health lab testing capabilities. From when we started testing on March 2nd to today, we've increased our testing capacity by three times through automation of certain processes. We are now running 150 tests a day, up from 50 uh, when we began testing. And I am pleased to say that by next week, we are hopeful that we will surge that testing to as many as 450 tests a day in our public health lab alone. Our plan is to keep improving our testing capacity and further in the next few weeks. We are also continuing to work with private partners to expand even more testing for the public. We have great partners at Kaiser, UCSF, CPMC, and Sutter that have been offering drive-through testing. And next week, thanks to Mayor Breed, we're excited that we're adding three new drive-through drop-in centers for testing through our partnerships with NEMS and Brown and Tolan. However, let me be clear that even today, whether you are a public health laboratory or a commercial lab anywhere in the nation, there are still severe shortages of critical components needed in the COVID-19 coronavirus testing process. Supplies nationwide are becoming a severe bottleneck to increased testing. I am sad to say that from swabs to PPE, the lack, the lack of testing supplies across the nation simply must, means that we must prioritize our testing for those who need it most. At the Public Health Laboratory, we have been prioritizing our limited testing resources for those most at risk for spreading the disease, those with severe medical conditions, and our frontline healthcare and first responders. Today, we have issued instruction to all labs and clinicians that they must prioritize their tests in the same way. Tests should not be available for those with Tests should not be more available for those with resources. They must be prioritized for those on the front line saving lives and those vulnerable and high-risk groups that need care. Please, please prioritize, help us prioritize those tests for those who need it most. Their lives depend on it, and to prevent the prevention and the reduction of the spread of coronavirus in our community depends on it. I now want to talk a little bit about additional steps we are taking aggressively to protect healthcare workers. Our frontline workers and healthcare staff are essential workers and members of our community. As coronavirus circulates in the Bay Area, we expect there will be more positive cases in San Francisco, including, unfortunately, among city workers DPH staff, and healthcare workers at both public and private facilities. Our top priority is the health of our patients, our community, and the people who fight and support them, fight for them and support them. 
We are doing the very best we can to be as prepared as we can in fighting this disease. Healthcare workers and first responders are courageously on the front lines every day. Yesterday, we took additional steps to respond to the impact of the virus on our DPH workforce. Because of their jobs on the front lines, many healthcare workers cannot abide by the stay-at-home order. They are essential. And in some cases, their workplaces do not allow for social distancing. In fact, quite the opposite. Several jobs in our healthcare system involve close contact with other staff members in vulnerable populations. For example, the emergency room, psychiatric emergency services, and urgent care center at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital, the Laguna Honda Hospital, and other settings where staff have prolonged contact with each other and high-risk patients. These workers come to work every day where they are, they are at risk for community spread, for transmitting the virus to each other, and for exposing the high-risk populations they serve. So we have issued new guidance above and beyond CDC recommendations to provide isolation masks for people who work in these settings in our healthcare system. We will be providing isolation masks to workers and patients in many at-risk settings. This is another way we can protect both groups. We are doing our best to balance keeping our workers safe as possible in the high-risk areas while also being constrained by a limited supply of masks. We will continue to advocate on many fronts for more masks and other personal protective equipment or PPE. But I feel it is essential to move forward with these additional protections today. I can't stress enough that every healthcare provider in the city, from hospital CEOs to doctors, nurses, and other frontline workers, wants there to be enough PPE for the patients and the healthcare staff. PPE is in short supply everywhere. We are, we are working hard to make sure the supplies are here when we need them. That includes state and federal advocacy, working with large donors and through the supply chain to secure the PPE we all need. Our top priority is the health of our patients and the people who care for them. And PPP, PPE is an important part of what is needed to do it right. Finally, I want to remind all San Franciscans of the importance of following the stay home order to protect yourself, your loved ones, and our entire community. If you aren't performing an essential task to keep our city running right now, then you only have one job. Stay home and keep yourself safe. Thank you, and I would like to introduce uh, Commander Scott, who, Chief Scott, excuse me, Chief Scott, who has been a great partner in this work, um, a great partner in, in, with his teams who are on the front lines helping us uh, keep our city safe. Chief Scott, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your partnership. And please look forward to your remarks. Good afternoon. First of all, I want to thank our mayor, Mayor London Breed, for her leadership during this unprecedented public health crisis. 
I can speak on behalf of the men and women of the San Francisco Police Department. We are extremely grateful to our mayor, Mayor London Breed, and Dr. Grant Colfax, that they have made safeguarding the well-being of San Francisco's first responders a priority. Our city's police officers, sheriffs, deputies, firefighters, and other first responders provide the first line of public safety in San Francisco, and we need to keep them safe and keep them healthy. So again, I want to thank Mayor Reed and Dr. Colfax for making first responders a priority in testing for COVID-19. We're constantly on the front lines, and we, ex we are expected to always be there. By providing this testing, we can help slow the spread of COVID-19 among our first responders so they can continue to provide public safety and protect the health of the public at large. I'd also like to thank our city's hotels because they have stepped forward to offer rooms to our first responders who may have to quarantine because of the COVID-19 virus. Having this support from our city leaders and from our city at large strengthens our morale, strengthens our health, and strengthens our resolve. And we know that we will need to have resolve during this crisis because we don't know how long we're going to be in this position. The mayor mentioned some of the areas where we've seen gatherings over the past week, and I want to lay out what you should be expected or will be expected to see this weekend from us, from law enforcement. This weekend, we're going to have people out. There will probably, probably be a lot of people outside, as there were last weekend. But please be smart and adhere to the public health warnings of social distancing. I cannot emphasize that enough. Use common sense, be smart, and expect to see us out there. It doesn't make sense for people to be out and not pay attention to the social distancing requirements six feet as laid out by our health officials. We've seen in other cities that are having a harder time right now than we are. We've seen gatherings in this city that have put others at risk, and we need everyone to think for a minute of who you are putting at risk when you do not adhere to public health warnings. Think of your grandfather, think of your grandmother, think of your sick child, think of the other people who you may be putting at risk by not adhering to this public health order. We'll be out this weekend in some of the places where we've had issues with gatherings that include the, the Embarcadero, Dolores Park and other city parks, the Marina Green, the Panhandle, Stern Grove, Exercise facilities in the park, as the mayor's laid out, will likely be closed in many of your parks. We've seen, by and large, excellent compliance from the people in San Francisco. We want that to continue. As we have laid out in previous press conferences, we have enforcement protocols, and for those of you that are interested in knowing what they are, you can find them on the San Francisco Police Department website. Our approach has been progressive. We have started with education, and we will still educate the public. When this public health was put out on March the 16th, we had this many people, a lot of people who didn't get the message. And as we have educated, that number has 
gotten smaller and smaller with the people who have not complied. And we do think that education has worked. However, education can only go so far. And there will come a time where we will have to enforce. Now, our officers have been very patient. They understand what's at stake here. They understand that we're looking at the end game of compliance. And this is not about a count of how many tickets we write or how many people we arrest for this misdemeanor violation because we don't want to create problems by enforcing the law. Our sheriff, Sheriff Miyamoto, has been charged with reducing his jail population, so we don't want to make the problem worse. So please, I can't emphasize this enough. Please listen to the public health officials. Social distancing, stay six feet apart. We want people to go out and get air, but our officers will be engaging. They will be communicating. For those that have been warned repeatedly, there will come a time where we will have to enforce, and that is a fact of life. We hope we can avoid that, and by and large, people have been complying, but please listen to these public health orders. I cannot emphasize that enough. We want everyone to use just good common sense. Stay six feet apart. If you're going to exercise, have respect for others around you. If you're going to go to the grocery store or wherever you need to go to keep essential items in your household, practice those same protocols. If you have to stand in line to wait to get in your market, your grocery store, stay six feet away. We've been actually putting out photos on our website of people who have done just that because we want to show that by and large San Francisco's, San Francisco's population, our, our residents, we get it. We understand what's at stake. We want to catch you doing something right instead of catch you doing something wrong. This weekend, you will see us out there, and from the bottom of my heart to our mayor, to Dr. Colfax, to the city leaders, on behalf of the first responders, we really appreciate what you have done as far as prioritizing testing sites for first responders. The last thing I'd like to say is we also understand that community leadership is a big part of getting compliance from the people in our city. And with that said, I'd like to introduce one of our community leaders, Marcia Contreras, who is the Deputy Executive Director of Mission Housing. Thank you. Hello. I am Marcy Contrera, Deputy Executive Director for Mission Housing Development Corporation and a community leader and servant of our Latinx community. Um, because I'm representing our Latinx community, my message is going to be in Spanish. Hola, mi nombre es Marcia Contreras y soy la directora ejecutiva de, asociada ejecutiva de Mission Housing, una organización no lucrativa, y soy líder y servidora de nuestra comunidad Latinx. Primero quiero agradecer a la alcaldesa London Breed por sus acciones apropiadas y estratégicas que ha tomado desde el comienzo del brote del coronavirus o COVID-19. La orden pública de salud que fue implementada de quedarnos en casa salvará vidas si la respetamos y la seguimos al pie de la letra. Yo personalmente me estoy quedando y trabajando de mi casa 
por la salud de mi familia y la de mi madre que se considera de alto riesgo. En este momento, le pedimos que hagamos nuestra parte individualmente para ayudar y para detener el contagio de este virus. Por favor, quédense en casa. Juntos podemos salvar vidas. En este día estamos lanzando una campaña por medio de los medios sociales y lo invitamos que ustedes mismos desde su propia casa puedan diseñar un video en el cual usted puede decir por quién se está quedando en casa, por qué razones lo está haciendo. Y en espíritu de solidaridad nos, nos gustaría, perdón, escuchar de todos ustedes por qué y por quiénes ustedes se quedan en casa, quiénes para usted es importante en su vida. En particular, queremos que usted pueda nominar a un amigo o una persona y al concluir su video, por favor, incluya la siguiente frase. Hagamos nuestra parte juntos. Quedémonos en casa. Y juntos podremos salvar vida. Agregue el hashtag al final. Detenga el contagio. Muchas gracias. I would like to introduce another community leader, Sarah Wong. I'm Sarah Wong, Executive Director at Community Youth Center and a community member in Chinese community. And I'm going to say the message in Cantonese. 大家好,我是溫靜婷,社區青年中心的行政總監,我也是三藩市華裔社區的其中一員。留在家,避免出街 home and please stay life. It is a global virus. Thank you. We will open it up to questions that people may have. Okay, first question for Mayor Breed from KTSF. How can the federal stimulus bill help the city and the people in San Francisco? Uh, well, we are hopeful that it will start helping uh, the people of San Francisco sooner rather than later. Uh, we have been told uh, that we can expect some of the individual checks that will go to those qualified, um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and we expect the same to happen with the uh, funding support uh, to go through the state uh, and distribute it down to various counties, including San Francisco, and we are working closely with our speaker, Nancy Pelosi, to speed up that process because uh, we know that there are a lot of people suffering financially right now. Okay, second question from Dominic San Francisco Chronicle, Mayor Breed. Can you describe how the city is approaching using public or even private spaces to conf confront COVID-19? So I, I think part of what we are um, doing is, of course, reaching out and, and looking at our existing inventory. And uh, one of the reasons why we are able to open Moscone West next year to help thin out our shelters and, and to help support our homeless population has everything to do with having access to this particular facility. So we will take uh, the opportunity at, in every instance to 
uh, use our public resources at our disposal uh, and any other private resources that could be available, including the one uh, that we are doing uh, by developing a relationship with the Hotel Council, issuing an RFP for hotel rooms. Uh, nothing is off the table uh, because uh, we know in addition to uh, housing people and quarantining people, whether it's with a hotel, an RV, or other spaces, um, we are going to need to prepare uh, for any situation, including um, conversations around where other hospital beds might go and how we might be able to uh, address this challenge uh, as it rises. Okay, follow-up question from the Chronicle. As the city braces for a surge of new cases, do you think you'll be aggressive about allocating public or even private uh, spaces for that cause? Do we think we'll be what? We'll be aggressive. About, I'm about sorry. allocating public and private spaces uh, for medical surge. Allocating? Or uh, using public and private. Oh. Let me read the question again. As the city braces for surge of, new, uh, the surge of new cases, do you think the city will be aggressive about allocating public or even private spaces for that cause? Oh, definitely. And, and let's be clear, because what we are doing now is preparing to use those spaces. But there... There's a lot that goes into any space that we have. We have to make sure that they are not only staffed, but that the people who are providing the support uh, have the protections that they need as well, uh, that we have the appropriate security, that we have the appropriate systems in place. Uh, but getting access uh, to spaces, I don't think is gonna be the difficult part. Uh, we are gonna have to make sure that we have uh, the resources necessary in order to accommodate uh, whatever uh, the need is for the particular space, and we will do everything we can to get a hold of as many spaces as we possibly can. Next question is from Stephanie, uh, ABC7. Earlier this week, you talked about addressing the crisis to help homeless populations. What is being done now? So I have Abigail Hill here from um, the HSA, uh, Human Service Agency, who can answer more in detail. But uh, I think I've made it clear in my earlier comments uh, in terms of getting access to hotel rooms. And I just want to add to my earlier comments. Um, first of all, as I said, uh, we put out a request for proposal to get access to hotel rooms and working with the hotel council. Uh, the contracting process has allowed us to uh, have 300 in uh, our inventory now, and we expect to have another 3,000 by next week. There is a process uh, that unfortunately has to be worked out, including issues of insurance, as well as um, who's going to staff. Uh, the security to make sure that people are uh, obeying the order, um, especially if they're quarantined, uh, and also what kind of wraparound supportive services uh, the people that will be housed in these locations need. Because we want to be clear, one of the biggest challenges we are going to face is not necessarily finding locations, sadly, for people who are homeless, uh, but people who suffer from substance use disorder and people who have mental illness the difficulty that we are going to have as a city in keeping them uh, in quarantine or keeping them uh, on an order to uh, shelter in place is going to be difficult. 
So we have to make sure that we have the resources necessary to do that. And we also have to make sure that we protect the people that we're asking to put their lives on the line to basically staff these places and provide supportive services. So it's more than just we have all these hotel rooms. Uh, it requires a lot of work uh, for many of the folks uh, that we are gonna be working with uh, who are currently homeless uh, probably less so for people uh, who are, for example, housed in some of our SROs, uh, but it requires a lot of coordination. It also requires the need to increase our capacity to manage it. The last thing we are going to do is rent a hotel, start putting people in a hotel, and then chaos breaks out, and we have no plan in place in order to address it or control the situation. And what I mean by chaos, you know, people uh, transmit uh, the coronavirus or people who basically need support or services or who are difficult to talk to or to work with um, who need other uh, things uh, will, will potentially have some real struggles. I mean, let's just be honest, people who suffer from substance use disorder, this is going to be a challenge for them. And so we are going to have to make sure we have systems in place to deal with that. Um, I think uh, Abigail is here. I don't know if she has you, some things you want to add to that as well. Hello, I'm Abigail Stewart-Kahn with the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. First, uh, echoing others, thank you, Mayor Breed and Dr. Colfax, for your courageous leadership to our city partners and our nonprofit uh, direct service providers, uh, our tremendous gratitude. I want to focus specifically on the work and steps we are taking as a coordinated system to help protect and prevent the spread of COVID in our shelter population. We've taken multiple steps over the course of the last several weeks in constant communication with our shelter providers. We first extended the stay of people at navigation centers and shelters to fix the population and allow people who were inside to, to continue to shelter in place. We've made the extremely difficult decision with the guidance of the Department of Public Health to pause shelter intakes temporarily. This allows several things. It allows us to pause people coming inside and protect, excuse me, potentially bringing the virus with them. And it also allows us to begin to create space for social and physical distancing within our shelters. We have also increased our shelter hours for those shelters that were not operating 24-7. They are now coming online to be 24-7 with increased meal service, increased staffing, increased cleaning protocols, and a whole lot of hard and creative work. And finally, we are recommending, or the Department of Public Health has recommended, that our shelters follow CDC guidance around physical distancing. And I appreciate the opportunity to clarify here. As those, those of you who care about our homeless population know, that people living in our shelters do not have enough space. They are very close together. And so we've taken the steps that I've outlined, and then we are also working creatively with our nonprofit direct service providers to create more space whenever possible. So, for example, if we close a drop-in center and that is connected to a shelter, that allows us to move beds apart in that space. And we're working with each of our providers on a site-by-site on -site basis. In order to get to the six feet, we are working through the Human Services Agency, which is responsible for mass care and shelter, to bring on sites such as Moscone West, which Mayor Breed mentioned, and others in the future to allow for further social distancing. Thank you.
Okay, our next questions are for public health, Dr. Grant Colfax. First question is from Reed from the Washington Post. Okay. First question, Reed from the Washington Post. Do you think the Bay Area's early action to shelter in place reduced the load on the hospital system? And do you expect that the strain has been delayed or permanently flattened? Well, look, here are the facts. I hope that's the case, but we simply do not know yet. It is too early to tell. Based on the science and the data and looking at what has been successful in flattening the curve in other countries, uh, we are hopeful. Um, but we also must prepare um, for, for a less flattened curve. If we look across the country to what's happening in New York right now, it is still plausible that we could be in that situation uh, in, in the near future. But we are watching the data. I think what's important is that this was a regional approach, an unprecedented regional shelter-in-place uh, shelter approach. And for it to work, people need to follow the orders. And with the help of people in this room, across the city, individual community members, Chief Scott and his team, we are hopeful that this aggressive early action will have an effect in flattening the curve and save lives. Next question, uh, or follow-up. Um, what kind of early steps did the Bay Area take to ensure there was enough resources for hospitals and to increase capacity? Yeah. Well, as in, every, in almost every major urban center, um, our hospitals at baseline, before any of this happened, are, are, are full and often overflowing. So we took key steps to ensure that there was greater capacity to manage at least an initial surge of coronavirus infections. We took uh, several very important steps early on. Uh, first of all, we escalated hiring staff so that we would have uh, more staff to, to manage an initial surge. Uh, we asked people to only use emergency rooms as a last resort if they were very, very sick and could not get the help they needed from their primary care provider. This created very important space in the emergency rooms uh, for handling the people who are sickest. We also issued a public health order um, to uh, prohibit all but essential medical procedures, including elective surgeries. This freed up uh, uh, operating rooms and staff to better prepare for the surge. We are coordinating across the, the healthcare system in an unprecedented way to have complete visibility in terms of the number of medical surge beds, ICU beds, and ventilator beds in the city. We are also taking steps to ensure that people who can be discharged from the hospital, who previously could not be discharged because they didn't have a place to go, now have a place to go per the vast expansion of hotel rooms available. So for people whose health status allows them to leave um, a hospital, we now, we now have the option uh, to place them in a place that's safe and secure and best for their health. So these multiple steps have increased our hospital capacity to manage an initial surge um, and it is plausible that even with these steps, our local capacity will be exceeded and we will need state and federal assistance to manage the influx of patients, just as we're seeing in New York right now. Okay, next question, KTSF, uh, Ling from KTSF. Uh, with cases in San Francisco escalating, when do you anticipate the peak will come? How bad, would it be? How bad would it, will it be? And will the situation in New York happen in San Francisco? 
Well, look, I've, I've, we've said from the beginning that this, this, uh, this situation changes um, hour by hour, day by day. I, if I could predict the future, I would give you those answers. I simply cannot. All I can say is that we're, we're, every day we're depending on data, science, and facts to uh, guide our pre pre preparation efforts. Again, the shelter-in-place order, um, over time, we hope it's having the effect, to have the effect, it, 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 uh, to optimize its effect. Uh, people need to follow the shelter-in-place order, and we are looking at all the data that we have available um, every day to best estimate um, if and when that, that surge uh, uh, will occur. Um, and we are as prepared as we can be at the local level uh, uh, right now, and we are constantly um, reiterating and reinvigorating our efforts based on data, science, and facts so that our preparedness um, continues into the future. Thank you. Okay, question from Tricia, San Francisco Chronicle. How many staff members and residents have been tested at Laguna, Hospi Laguna Hosp Honda Hospital so far? How will you keep the staff, residents, and public updated on case counts at the facility? And have any residents at Laguna Honda been transferred to another medical facility due to COVID-19? So I, I shared uh, in my, made my remarks that six staff members at Laguna Honda have uh, been tested uh, positive uh, for COVID-19. Uh, we have one uh, resident who, who also tested positive. Uh, that, that resident is in, in good condition. We are uh, expanding testing at Laguna Honda right now in the, in the uh, uh, wards where there were these COVID positive uh, 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 staff and, and, and the patient. I don't have exact numbers right now because we're literally um, escalating that, that testing capacity as, as we're doing it um, today. And the follow-up is how will you keep staff, residents, and the public updated on oh, case counts? Yes, absolutely. So um, from the very beginning of this effort, uh, I have focused on, on not only the data science and facts, but communicating and being as transparent as we can be with uh, regard to where we stand in, in not only in the community and across the health system, but in our specific uh, care systems. And we will be continually communicating the information to the staff um, as soon as we have it uh, about the status of Laguna Honda. My focus, um, our focus at the health department um, is to ensure that staff and residents' uh, safety uh, is maintained as much as possible and their health is paramount. And then final follow-up, have any residents at Laguna Honda been transferred to another medical facility due to COVID-19? So um, we have one resident um, who was transferred to an outside medical facility who has then, uh, who, who's, who is in good condition and I'm happy to say has uh, been returned uh, to Laguna Honda Hospital. I can't uh, comment on uh, further details with regard to that question. Thank you, Dr. Colfax. The next questions are for uh, San Francisco Police Department Chief William Scott. Okay, uh, question from Wilson Walker, KPIX, and I'm gonna read this question. Plenty of crowds on corners in the Tenderloin, some with nowhere to go, others dealing drugs. Are there any plans to address this crowding? Yes, and that's why it's really important that we work with all our city partners to address this issue. It's a very difficult issue. Um, crowds on the Tenderloin, and I've been out there with our officers. I've seen it firsthand. Some people comply, some people don't. But we have to keep going back and trying. Um, the drug dealers, you know, there, there is still space in our jails. Now, I want to reemphasize something. You know, for people that are committing serious crimes, and I think at this point, right now, what we're trying to do, 
those individuals that are out selling drugs and, and, and causing gatherings to be worse because people are gathering to buy drugs, that's a public health problem. So, yeah, we, we still have room in our jails for those type of individuals. Our officers have been out, and we're trying, again, to educate people and give them an opportunity to comply. But as I said earlier, there comes a time where enforcement is appropriate. You know, we, we do want to save our jail space for the people that are committing those serious crimes, like the three homicide suspects that we arrested for March 16 homicide this week. We have room in our jails for those type of individuals. And, you know, we still have to do that job as well. So we know it's a difficult task, but we're working with every partner in the city to make this situation better. Okay. Um, question from Christian Captain, KTBU. Wondering if there are any planned road closures to discourage people from going to high traffic locations or wholesale closures of some parks to prevent congregating. We have not, uh, we, the San Francisco Police Department, has not, we have not closed any roads, but uh, again, all, all options are on the table in terms of what we need to do to protect the health of the public in our city. But at this point, we have not closed any roads. And Mayor Breed is also going to address this topic. I just want to be clear that, um, hold on just a sec. Um, I want to be clear, as I said earlier, um, that we are making adjustments based on what we have seen uh, over the past weekend and, and the past couple of days. Um, uh, we have made recommendations to make, uh, to, to close a number of parking lots and uh, certain locations. Um, especially where there is workout, outdoor workout equipment and playgrounds. We've closed all of those structures. Um, and we have made those decisions based on uh, recommendations from the Department of Public Health in looking at what we were seeing. And I think what's going to happen uh, is we will make decisions, uh, especially this weekend, if we notice uh, that behavior continues to be a challenge in particular areas. Uh, so we will make those determinations. Um, it could happen at a moment's notice. Um, there probably won't necessarily be a press conference. Uh, there'll probably just be um, a closure and a conversation with people who are in the area uh, to, to leave immediately. Um, so we're going to make adjustments, and we're going to be out, as the chief said, um, paying very close attention to those areas and, and making recommendations uh, as it relates to uh, roads and, and, and other streets. Uh, we don't have any plans at this time. Every decision that we will make to close anything would have everything to do uh, with recommendations uh, from our public health department uh, in order to uh, focus on protecting public health. Okay, we have one final question for Dr. Colfax, public health. Okay, Dr. Colfax, this question is from Ron Lynn with the LA Times. Could Dr. Colfax explain why he believes a surge would come in the next week or two? And is that still plausible? Well, look, um, right now we have 279 cases of COVID, diagnosed COVID-19 patients in San Francisco. And unfortunately, we've had three deaths. I cannot predict uh, when the surge uh, will come and how, how high the surge will be. Our efforts are to flatten that curve. And again, we have taken early, aggressive, and science-informed efforts 
uh, to flatten that curve as much as possible. Over the next two weeks, using uh, the data from, from uh, our community, the expertise of the scientists, the epidemiologists uh, that we are working with, we will have a better sense of where we are on that curve. Um, but I cannot speculate. If I could see the future, um, I would tell you right now what we need, what we need, uh, where we need to be, where we will be in two weeks, and uh, what we will need to do to address that in two weeks. Again, uh, we are, from what we know today, um, we are as prepared as we can be, and we will continue to monitor the situation, uh, respond to a rapidly changing situation based on public health priorities. Uh, so that's, that's where we stand today, and that's continued to be where we will stand tomorrow with our principles of following the science, data, and facts, and being as prepared as possible. Thank you. Thank you. That is our final question. This concludes our press conference. Thank you. This has been a special edition of Civic from the San Francisco Public Press to bring you full audio of the latest city press conference about San Francisco's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Due to the length of the press conference, even with silence removed, we've had to slightly interrupt our regular programming. We'll return you now to the PRX Remix, storytelling from public radio. This is KSFP LP 102.5 FM, San Francisco.